0: Welcome into episode 30 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today, as promised, I am happy to be joined once again by Travis Graf and David Sisk of Cats Illustrated. Travis, how are you doing today, man?
1: Doing fantastic. Glad to finally have all three of us back on the horn once again.
0: Yeah, we, so I am actually over at Travis's house right now. Um, I believe the last show we did in person, Travis, was, was at KS Bar. Yeah. It was just us two. It was a little game preview. I can't even remember what game that was for, maybe the Ole Miss game a couple couple weeks back. But that was a fun time, and uh, we were, we're happy to be back face-to-face once again. Uh, and, unfortunately, he's not face-to-face with us, but we still have – David Sisk of Cats Illustrated on the phone with us. David, how are you doing, man? Well,
2: I've got the face made for a podcast, so you're lucky I'm not face to face with you.
0: Well, that's that's not fair. We've we've hung out in in uh, at various events and all that, and you are you are very very nice and and uh, good good dude in person. So that is that's I'm, just not fair. I'm
1: sad. I've never met David in person. Um, I'm looking forward to possibly meeting him, meeting up with him a couple of events over the summer, but. He, he can't be nicer guy than he is over the phone. I mean, come on now.
0: No, David. David is the. Uh, he's a good dude. He's actually. I remember. David, you remember the very first event that we ever covered together it was actually I your,
2: your uh, girlfriend didn't like Romeo Langford
0: yes she uh, she uh, isn't it crazy that 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 girlfriend oh. that hated Romeo Langford so much is now my fiance and we're gonna get married here in 50 days or so isn't that just crazy
2: I think it's crazy too that that's that's the thing that sticks out more than anything else
0: well I mean
2: and why she like why she dislike Romeo Langford
0: well did, David do you remember the specifics why she didn't
2: At that time, if you'll remember, if I'm not mistaken, he had – they were doing a a documentary on his recruitment, if you'll remember. That's right. Oh. uh, You were there. It was in Spartanburg at the Adidas Gauntlet Nationals. And if you'll remember, nobody could get to him for the whole tournament. I mean, he just had a posse going with him everywhere he went. He wouldn't talk to anybody. That's right. So, (laughs) last game, somebody comes down and says, hey – Romeo is going to talk to a couple of people down here at the end of the hallway. And we go down courtside against a wall in the corner. And we had to sign a waiver to interview him because we might be on that documentary.
0: That's right.
2: Did you did, did you have to sign that did you go down there and sign it as well
0: Yes I believe it. and and I think she said something along the lines of this is just a 16 17 year old kid there's no reason yeah, that there's no reason which, that a kid like this should which, get this much attention Which
2: is true I'm signing a waiver to talk to a 16 year old so you know she's she's correct I thought it was going to be
1: something hot, like, oh, yeah, he doesn't run – very, he's not very good off pin downs or, or dribble handoffs
0: or something <laughs> well, like I that. Well, I
2: think he no, did no, – We're asking a question, and we got, like, TV cameras all over us. And, yeah, yeah, so we – just to talk to him, we had to sign a waiver.
0: I think he did. She did say something along the lines of because he, um, because a we watched him and he only played like five. Remember, he was that one game he played like five minutes. Started out the out the gates pretty hot, and then um, he had those back spasms or whatever, and he yeah. left the game. And I think Katie said something like, "Oh, this dude can't even," you know. Hold up for more than five minutes in a game. How is he gonna? How's he gonna last at the next at the next level? With um, you know
2: what else? I remember about that tournament? What? We and, and you will too. We saw Zion Williamson play in his hometown of Spartanburg. Uh huh. And if you'll remember, there was a, a thing there in the middle where you could go upstairs. Yes, and he had roof at the top, and you could watch everything. So I'm watching him play. And I don't know. There's eight to ten courts at least going that whole gym, and there's like nobody at those other games. Yes. And there's a mob around his court. People are standing up on bleachers on the other courts to watch him. He blocks a shot, and I'm right behind the backboard, sitting up up on the ledge watching it. So I'm 20 feet from the backboard, and he hit his cheekbone on the corner of the backboard. They had to take him. I think they take him out, stitched him up.
0: That's right.
2: Uh, hit his cheek, and I, I was I was. Literally twenty feet from the backboard when he did that, and he 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 did. He hit his cheekbone up on the corner, and I mean, his head was was rim level.
0: Jeez, yeah, that was that was wild. I remember that <laughs> was the first time I ever saw Emmanuel quickly play in person too, and that was when all the rumors were out that that Zion Williamson wanted to play with play with him and uh and you know they even said something like oh we're a package deal and then it got a whole bunch of whole bunch of publicity and praise and all that stuff it was that was a it was a good trip and i remember i was wide-eyed and bushy-tailed i had no idea what i was doing i was i was in there and and trying to trying to make a you know make a name for myself and you were the only the only recruiting guy that would even look at me you know, take a second look at me because I was, you know, everybody else knew each other and they were, you know, you know, hot dogging it with each well, with each other, and you were the I only. You. I
2: didn't know anybody, and it was my first summer really out doing that. i have been i have been to them, but not on the media side of it. So, man, yeah. I mean, you were uh, you, you were even a uh, 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 bigger shot then uh, to me than you are now, man.
1: Oh. Well, <laughs> well, see, David <laughs> says ever since I, was-
2: radio, and I went, man, this is this guy's like. Uh uh sam donaldson or something
1: well don't tell coach k that that's a story for another day though for no legend, but
0: Co- coach k can kick rocks i can't stand that dude <laughs> in more ways than one yeah but
1: yeah david has been like my knowledgeable uncle when <clears throat> it comes to recruiting and getting me right, get, get my go. foot in the door get get a nice kickstart on this and i can't thank him enough um Justin Rowland is like my dad whenever it comes to recruiting. And he, well he start he's football recruiting, but he he teaches me how to talk to uh parents and coaches and kids and all that, and then David's the the wise owl of recruiting the knowledge. Wise, yes. The wise
0: owl, man. Yes. Yeah I, I don't know if I see David as more of a of an older brother like a, a wise older brother or or an uncle but either way you are we we appreciate you and uh um you
2: all of have- you Ratings for this show, you know, everybody that's listened to the podcast, they turned it. on's already turned it off by now.
0: Yeah, so we can we can get into uncensored uh, craziness from this point on because we know everybody's already. Well, now that it all off. the casuals are out of here, <laughs> we can get down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> okay, all right, that was that's that's enough of, of all of that. Um, so the reason why we are doing it, a the show this late, um in in the week that we are recording this on Thursday evening, um. I and and the reason why we're even doing a second episode is because the first episode we did this week I was actually in St. Louis to go see Cameron Fletcher on his senior night. Uh, I, I went there on Wednesday and I uh, got to you know I went to his school of Vashon, talked to a bunch of people at his school, talked to him. Uh, it was actually pretty pretty. Chaotic, how that all unfolded. He actually, um, I showed up and they, they kind of stuffed me in this little conference room for like 45 minutes by myself. They said they said, "Oh yeah yeah, we'll we'll go get him. No problem. Go sit in this room." They left me in there and and they just kind of forgot about me for 45 minutes. So that was that was very fun and interesting. And uh, um, finally, one of his assistant coaches come in comes in and he goes, uh, "So." I hate to tell you this, but Cam actually left school already. He's going to go get a haircut. I was like, oh. Okay, so uh, how long is that going to be? He was like, uh, you know, could be 30 more minutes, could be another hour. We really have no idea. So I sat in there, and, and luckily I had my laptop with me, and I was working on, on some other stuff and, and preparing for for the interview with him. But it was not the easiest process to, to get Cam on on this show. But I think the final product was was pretty pretty solid he came on and he was really insightful he was he was awesome answered you know all the questions i had about um you know his upbringing what it was like to grow up in in st louis and and his you know the the passion that he has for that city and and kind of who he is try to kind of give fans that opportunity to kind of get an inside look at who he is as a person and, and man he was he he really opened up and i remember i talked to him at the mbpa top 100 camp and and it was really tough to get much of anything out of him. He was just quiet. He was reserved. I mean, he, he really does not like talking to the media. And you could kind of get some hints of that during that that interview. That it was that I kind of felt like I was having to pry and pry out of him. But I, I thought for the most part it was it was a lot of fun, and uh, and I, I appreciate him coming on. But the the thing I wanted to talk to you guys about was um, kind of. He proved me wrong when I went. To, I went to see him in a senior night. I, I remember I've said on the past on this show that I am not the biggest fan of his game and and. Um I thought that he he was rated where he is for a reason, top 40, top 50 type player. I I always kind of said that he was um you know his his ranking was completely deserved. He I you know I I saw him play for Brad Beal Elite this this summer on the EYBL circuit and he never impressed me then and um you know I was never really the, all that high on him. And guys, I got to be honest, I was uh I was very very impressed with what I saw um from him on 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 his senior night. He was just a just a freak of nature on the rebounds. I mean, he just how active he was on the glass, and 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 just his endless motor was something that just I mean, it just it really turned my head. I mean, it just seemed like every single time I, I was looking, he was grabbing a rebound, or at least in position to grab a rebound. And and with with so many issues that we have this year alone, with guys not fighting and, and providing that level of of uh, you know intensity that that Calipari has been begging for. Seeing that was like, it was, I mean, it was pretty refreshing, honestly. And his his shot looked way, way better than than it has ever looked. I, I kind of thought he had a broken jumper in the past, and and he was really impressive. So, um, guys, I, I'm I am much more on board with with Cam Fletcher now than than I have been and and pretty much ever. Um, so, Travis, I want to know. Um, what are your general expectations for Cam as a freshman next season at Kentucky? And, uh, you know, kind of just if you listen to that interview, what, what were your kind of just general takeaways about what he said about his own game and, and kind of who he is?
1: I think the way if Kentucky was if Kentucky was to strike out on the rest of their quality bigs, especially at the five spot, that he could be a proto- prototypical small ball four. I think he's a tweener in between a three and a four. He plays more like a four but has a threes body. And I think that he could buy into the role that was carved out for Khalil Whitney this year, where you're just a high energy guy. You rebound, you hit corner threes, you play defense, you switch one through five. Well, not one through five, one through four. And you just bring that energy off the bench. And I think that that would be the perfect role for for him. I saw him hit those. You posted a video earlier uh, on Twitter, I believe, or Instagram.
0: I might have just sent it to you. I can't remember no, if I – No,
1: I saw it on uh, Ball is Life. But oh, yeah. it, it seemed like they were standing right beside where the, yeah. where you were at. So, I and the video showed him hitting like three corner threes. I think if he can hit corner threes and play defense and rebound and just hustle, I think he'll have a role next year in Cal fall in love with him. And I know that he has some naysayers, but I I believe in the kid. And I've been wanting to kind of like I've, – I've actually been like kind of advocating for him to be better than Khalil Whitney to some people in some recruiting circles and they're like, "Eh, I don't know about that." But I, I strongly believe that
0: dude, I'm I'm here to tell you that comparison with Khalil Whitney and kind of what we thought Khalil Whitney was going to be, I think it's spot on. I mean, I got to be honest. I think that is it, it's 100% spot on. He um Well, see, he,
1: they're both like limited offensively. They're both going to be guys that Stand in the corner and hit a three, uh, work the baseline, and they're one dribble pull-up, guys. They don't have much in their repertoire driving-wise. And I think that they compare favorably to each other on the offensive end. But I think the willingness to accept a certain role is going to be the difference.
0: And that's that's kind of the difference maker. Uh, It seemed like Khalil this season – Always floated It it seemed like He floated on the perimeter To get his Because he knew I'm going to have Open jump shots I'm going to stick around The perimeter And and hopefully add a couple Three-pointers You know, a game And that's how I'm going to Make my impact Whereas I feel like Cam Understands that He's going to make you know, he, he's going to make a living as the cleanup guy. He's going to be a guy. It just seemed like watching him last night, he was always on the interior. He, he was always looking for that, you know, the, the, the easy opportunities down low after, you know, missed, miss shots. He was, he was the guy to grab the easy rebound and put, put it back up. And, and, you know, he, he was just dominating with, with, with given his role on that team. And I mean, yes, the the corner threes in itself, that, that was just about as impressive as anything I've seen. Um, you know, he, every time I've seen him in the past, it, it seemed like he had a broken jump shot and, and, but but now it's like he he thrives in that catch and shoot role where where you know there's no there's you n- know wonky mechanics involved there's nothing nothing like that he was just 100% a catch and shoot smooth you know very limited motion w- with his shot just a very fluid fluid um shot I mean I, I was really really impressed david what's you know what what do how would you best describe Cam's game and, and kind of um, is, is he starting to, you know, are you starting to feel a little bit higher on his game now than, than uh, what we've seen in the past from him?
2: Let me ask you this, since you saw him in person, um, how would you compare him to Keon Brooks?
0: Um, I, I mean, pretty, I think Keon is a little bit smoother and uh, more uh, distinguished with his, with, with his post moves, I believe. Um, I, I think, He's Cam is more of a power guy than um, than than Keon is kind of the the finesse guy if that makes sense he's kind of smooth and 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 knows how to outsmart defenders whereas Cam really likes you know when when he is a is utilized as a low post four or a small ball four he. I mean he he he'll go right at you and and kind of just you know back you down in the post and try to out-muscle you and outpower you whereas Keon will try to go around you or maneuver around you and and kind of that that's how how Keon is best or how Cameron is best used whereas where is Keon is is a little bit different but yeah I'm a um, little uh, a lot of similarities but I think there's more similarities with with Khalil's game than than uh than and Keon for sure
2: um I just wonder um honestly um you know about his I I think he can in you know like um Travis said he can slide down and play to four I've kind of felt that you know that he was a a three four uh player and I was thinking you know when when he signed you know they had Khalil and, and Keon both and that's kind of way I've looked at Keon Brooks, too, and um, I thought, man, you know, the, Cal's really stocking up on these, these three, four combos. So, you know, that would be three. And um, so, yeah, I, I've kind of felt like he could play that role and, and do that. And, you know, you talked about if, if they don't get bigger players, if they don't get a, a centers or whatever, let's say they don't get a uh, – you know, some guys that they're looking for who play the five spots that, uh, you know, that they might go smaller. And, you know, I look at Auburn and it's like a guy told me today, um, he said, you know, Auburn just, just, you know, has a bunch of tight ends basically in the post, a bunch of six, six guys, six, seven guys. And, you know, you'll remember when they played at Auburn, uh, uh, the center gets in foul trouble early and. You know they're they're running just a bunch of six 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 seven guys out there and playing small lineup. that caused Kentucky problems. So, you know, Calipari may be looking at it that way. And but but I think with any player that comes in, if you ask me about how they're going to do, um, I, I have to say, hey, you know they've got to accept the role. You know his role is not going to be a guy that's going to probably have a lot of sets run for him. That's going to be put in a position where he can score 20 points a game. I think he's got to uh, he's got to understand that that he's going to probably be in for a lot of defense, like you say, for energy, for uh, uh, rebounding, things like that, making some garbage plays. And you know, if you look at this team, Keon Brooks has accepted that role. EJ Montgomery has accepted it, but it's taken him a while to really, I think, understand how to play it. And, and I, th- I think sometimes, well, Ed, you have to get into your sophomore year because it's such a total change. And, you know, that's what EJ's doing now. I think Keon will continue to get better in it. And, and honestly, I don't think Khalil Whitney could accept it. So, you know, that's going to be the challenge. You know, do you go from – it's like all these Kentucky players. Do you go from – uh you know, being the best player on every team you've ever played on, and being the man to a guy that's accepting a role that when you're on the floor you may be the fourth or fifth option.
0: Yeah, it is definitely going to be interesting to see how uh, how Cam fits here next year. And uh, but I'm I'm just here to tell you, I was very very impressed with 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 how he played versus what I've seen in the past. I mean, shoot, he and he was he's such a good dude, and talking to him and and I, I know there were some some. A little bit of chaos With getting him To actually sit down For the interview But once, it, once that got going He was awesome And talking to his coaches And his. Uh, I talked to his mom A little bit afterwards She was super sweet uh, he, has, he has a good head On his shoulders it's, I was I was very impressed With that side of stuff I was impressed With what I saw On the floor um, And oh And we didn't even mention John Calipari and Kenny Payne Were in attendance To, to see him For a senior night So you know That was kind of impressive To me That, that they went out Of their way I don't know If they Probably flew, but what's their body
1: language like whenever they're watching are they are they really into it? are they working the phones or what's going on whenever they're watching a committed player
0: um, they were very very involved and watched i mean they watched every single play they left left right at the end of the third quarter um and and but i mean the game was already they were already up by 30 points at that point i mean uh, cam only played 5 minutes in the fourth quarter or something because uh because they were up by so much but of the of the time that they were there the first 3 quarters they were they were super invested watching watching every single play um you know it was it was really impressive to to have both of them there they showed up 20 minutes before the game started, so they got to see the senior the senior night festivities. They got to um, be a part of all that stuff, um, and and you could tell that they made sure that that Cam knew that they were in attendance. Kind of like um, I, I saw they kind of pointed him out and, and kind of yelled his name, said, "Hey, Cam!" Like just you know waved at him, said, "Hey, just letting you know, like we're." we're, we're sitting here for you know we we're, we're here for you for for your senior night just letting you know um, so they wanted they wanted to be seen by by cam and, and I think cam appreciated that level of support
1: what was it like I saw you posted and over time I want to say or ball's life one of them posted that the manager got to play for the first yeah. time. Yeah. What the, was that like? That was, I've never uh, seen something like that in person. So, I always see it on YouTube and Twitter. And-
0: so I had no idea, honestly, that it was happening. And uh, and give I got to give credit for to Cam for this, honestly, because the game was out of hand. They were up by 30-something, and there were like five minutes left in the game. And Cam – well, I guess – Coach Tony Irons, the the head coach of Vashon, he motioned over to his name was Ryan. the kid the the manager's name was Ryan, um and he and he was suited up. He had been wearing the warm ups. He actually warmed up with the team, was in the layup lines, was taking jump shots and stuff before the game. and and Coach Irons looked over at this at this Ryan kid and said, Hey you know get over to the scorers table let's let's do this and the first person on the team to kind of um you know to take himself out of the game to make sure the the team manager manager could get in the game was cam um so it was after a free throw cameron subbed himself out of the game and kind of gave a big hug to the the team manager and and let the team manager come in and and, and he came out guns a blazing they were they're were trying to work plays for him and 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 get him open shots and he didn't even come close to the rim any I mean he took two or three shots but and none of them were even remotely close but the th- that in itself was really impressive especially from from for, for, for Cameron to to kind of say this is this w- is my final game at at Vashon High School, my friends, you know, he had 20 family members and friends all there in attendance to see him, and and they were all, you know, wanting to see him play every single second of the game. But for him to kind of recognize the value in that that team manager to come in and get get his time on the floor, it was like, man, that's a that's that that selfless team first mentality that that Calipari you know he he pitches over and over again when he's on the recruiting trail and and you know trying to get players with that mindset for him to do that just out of his um out of of the blue was it it was pretty impressive david did you see that video by chance
2: no i have not
0: yeah it was uh it, it was a pretty cool moment i did not expect to see it at all and uh um yeah it was it was it was just a good good trip overall i was a big fan of the st louis area i was a big fan of of cameron as a player a big fan of of uh, his, his friends, his family, all that stuff. It was just a, a good trip. I, um, in the, I'm in the process of putting together a big recruiting profile on him. So be on the lookout for that. We'll probably put that out. Uh, I believe the first week of April, right after, um, right after the final four to, to kind of build the hype for next season. So be on the lookout for that. Um, and with, with that, we'll move on from, from my trip to, to see him in St. Louis. And, uh, david let's get into let's get into this basketball team a little bit and and you know we we haven't i th- i think the last time you talked was was a uh, week or two back, and, and a lot has changed in in that time with this team and kind of the the overall momentum surrounding it. I believe Kentucky has won seven in a row, 11 of their last 12, and 15 of their last 17. Which, you know, it's March is all about winning or you know w- w- surviving and advancing, and that's exactly what they're doing right now. So, David, I kind of want to give you the floor to kind of take over and, and and make me feel optimistic about Kentucky's chances or why you don't feel optimistic about their chances in March and and kind of what has led to this momentum that Kentucky has as they go into uh, postseason play?
2: Well, here's the thing, too. Just to start out, just, just to preface, um, I think that um, – and I went from speaker, actually, to, to – where i can um talk here on the phone um a lot of it obviously is going to depend on seating um you know with some things that did happen earlier i know a lot of people are watching this year this year and i hate you know with the seating how uh they put so much importance into november mm-hmm. and uh you know this is not the same team it was early in the year players have found their roles um, I I, I like Cal. Number one, they've got a player who can carry them. That's one thing you have to have in a tournament. You go back to Michigan State that game, and you know Tyrese Maxey had a big game. For but basically for the next two months, you didn't know who the points were going to come from, really. Yeah. And uh, now you look at quickly, and he's he's playing as good as anybody in the country. Uh, so so Derry have that. You look at Nick Richards' improvement. Um, and, and, you know, Maxie, you know, is a big game player. So, you know, guys are getting, uh, Montgomery's getting better. So, uh, guys are, are getting comfortable in their roles. And I think that's a big thing. I think coach Calipari has had to do a couple things. Number one, identify roles. Those guys have had to get comfortable with it. But secondly, he's had to find out, okay, what situations do they like? What are they good at in those roles? If, if, if quickly wants a shot, it's just more getting him the ball. Where does he want the ball to, to come from? Does he like the corner? Does he like the wing? You know, what, how does he need it? Where does Nick Richards want the ball? Where's Maxie most comfortable driving from? You know, it, is it a high ball screen? Is it a side ball screen? There's just so many things. And like, they kind of find out what works. But I think we saw it against Texas A&M, too. This is not an unselfish team. They get along. The ball movement against Texas A&M was just phenomenal. Um, it never stuck. They played hot potato. They reversed it. They made the extra pass. They were unselfish. Um, you know, when when quickly was going off, you could see Hagen's and Maxie doing everything they could do to get the ball to him. It wasn't like, well, he shot four or five here. I've got to get mine. It wasn't that. It was like, man, let's keep getting it to him. And, 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 you know, you can tell they're wanting to play for the team. I think the defense, I, I want to see more of a 40-minute defense, but they are are playing spurts. You know, against Florida, they gave up 19 points in the last 16, 17 minutes. You know, in the first 33 minutes, 34 minutes, they gave up 40. Uh, Texas A&M had a, a very similar run there for – uh, about, gosh, I think it was – I'd have to go back and look. I think for 27, 28 minutes, they gave up 23 points after they got off to that blazing start. Uh, so I like the way this team plays. Um, I don't think you have to score 90 to 100 points. If you look at last year, Texas Tech, you know, even Auburn, Virginia, those type of teams, I think they can play that style and like I said, they've got a guy that can carry them. And if you'll remember last year when they got NCAA tournament, the rim started really getting tight. Mm-hmm. And uh, you kind of felt like if Kyler Hero couldn't score, you, were, you know, P.J. Washington was in the boot, you know, and he his you know he had an injury, and you were kind of wondering, all right, where's the points going to come from? Because teams were just packing it in a lane and trying to take it away and they said okay we're going to take our right hero we're going to force Higgins to shoot Kelton Johnson was struggling from the field and I think this year right now if they can keep it that way you know I I, I just think that obviously you got quickly making threes just just a, a, a phenomenal rate and then uh, you you're talking about uh you know Maxie can make them you're talking about Sestina can make and 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 So, I I think this team's a lot better shooting the ball than what the analytics tell you. So, you know, uh, I've heard people say it's a team that could go out, you know, on the first weekend, the second round, or it's a team that could get to the final four. And the more I watch this team, man, the more I'm starting to lean toward the latter. I I think it's a team that makes sides more on a deep run than going out early.
1: As of right now, I think this team finishes somewhere around the Elite Eight. Um, I think that. If you would have told me before the Texas A&M game that Richards would have had four points and four fouls at the end of the game, that in 27 minutes, that UK would have been in trouble. But I think that says something to the growth of this team, that they weren't in trouble. And like you said, Emmanuel quickly can really carry this team. Uh, The other day, 8 or 12 from 3, that's just outrageous. EJ Montgomery, if he gives you 8 and 10 like he did the other day, 8, 10, and was active on, on – um, well, he was making good uh, exit passes out of the post. Him and Nick both were cross-court passes on the money right in the shooting pocket and if EJ can take that next step where he can give you eight and eight a night he doesn't even have to be phenomenal just eight and eight consistently that will allow this team to go to the next level and I think that back to Emmanuel quickly for the SEC for the SEC uh conference slate he is shooting 48.7 percent from behind the arc and that includes a one out of eight game from um from three-point land against Ole Miss, yeah, yeah, Ole Miss, I believe, yeah, Ole yeah. Miss, yeah, that's I fair. think so. There is two things I think that are going to—I can't remember if I said it on here or if I said it on the uh, on my Cat Scan podcast. There's two things that are key for the postseason run to me. Ashton Higgins has to be a top 10 to 12-point guard in the country. He can't—I think he's top five at his peak, but he hit the same wall last year. So I think that as long as he can stay. Decent with like a 2 to 1 turnover ratio. I'll take that at this point. And if Tyrese Maxley can start hitting from behind the arc, that'd be another key. Because I know it was a lot earlier in the season since UK's played a neutral site game. But Emmanuel quickly in two neutral site games was 2 of 13 from behind the arc. So...
0: See, yeah, every, that's kind of an interesting point because everybody talks about, oh, Emmanuel quickly is just incredible on the road. On the road, he's he's he, on, he, on the road. He's, he's
1: shooting fifty-seven point four percent from three. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> games
0: on in the NCAA, NCAA tournament are not, uh, it, you know, they're not true road games. That's a good point for neutral this, court.
1: The best news for this Kentucky team is they don't have to play one tournament game in Rupp Arena because they can't shoot worth a crap in Rupp Arena.
0: Yeah, absolutely not, uh, Travis. I think you bring up. A really, really good point. It was actually the first point you brought up about Nick Richards and and kind of how Kentucky learned how to win without him over these last two games. In fact, I, I was in charge of the recap post at, uh, for the um, this most recent game against Texas A and M, th- and that was kind of one of my biggest takeaways is the fact that Kentucky learned how to win without him. And I looked over some of the some of the numbers in five healthy games. Um, That Nick Richards has had this season In single digits So only five games on the year He has finished in single digits And four of them were losses Against Evansville, Utah, Ohio State And Auburn In fact, the only time Kentucky has lost this season With Richards uh, finishing in double figures Was on the road at South Carolina And as you guys know That was a game that that Kentucky actually lost On a half-court heave at the buzzer So so. This season Nick Richards has been kind of the the big crutch for the team. They they when when all things have gone wrong, they've thrown the ball down low to Nick Richards and basically said, "Uh you, you do something with it. You figure this out and and lead the team." And that was as as impressive as it was that Nick has been able like I mean, he has been able to convert on those opportunities. It was still a little scary thinking that we don't know what this team can do. When Nick Richards isn't scoring In fact, we do know what this team does And that's lose games I mean, literally every single time um, Or, you know, four times out of five That Kentucky didn't, you know Nick Richards didn't score in double figures They lost Um so I was waiting for a game like th- like this to where even even against uh, against Florida he had nine and six against Kerry Blackshear, uh, but he still made an impact on both both ends of the floor. Whereas this game, I mean, he was just non-existent. I mean, he had he had one shot attempt in the entire game, and I I've been waiting for that moment for this team. I've been waiting for them to figure out how to win a game, especially on the road at at a place like Texas A&M, um, where they could they could do it all without Nick Richards, and that's exactly what they did.
1: Let me ask you all a question, uh, uh, David. Oh, go ahead, David. Sorry.
2: I, I just I just want to say this while you're on that subject. I worry – I mean, what's the common denominator been offensively the last two games? And that's Josh Nebo and Terry Blacks, big fiscal post. Yeah. And I, I still worry about him getting pushed out on a block you know, catching a ball with two feet on the floor. And, you know, Nebo was confident. You remember, he, he had to drop step dunk on him, and he was talking to yeah,
0: him. Yeah, flexed on him so, and talked to him and ran his mouth to him.
2: Oh, yeah. So, you know, I I, I still – he's played through some of that this year and it's kind of shown that he's a different player there. But I I I, I do still have some concerns about that.
1: Let me ask you all a question about it's – it's been noticeably obvious that – Kentucky has shortened the rotation down to really five guys, five and a half guys if you count Sestina. Um, Zhang and Brooks played about eight minutes last game. But do you do you think that do you do you trust Kentucky's bench during the um, like if they were to make a Final Four championship run, or do you think this is right where where Cal wants them? Considering that, granted, the players aren't near as good. As the 2012 team, but that 2012 team played six and a half players considering that Darius Miller and um, Kyle Wilcher for a couple minutes came off the bench. David, what do you think about that?
2: I just think it's a crap shoot because it's not best of seven. And and anything can happen in one game. So, you know, you hope they can get through that unscathed with that. But it's also – you can see a situation where they get beat in the tournament and you're saying, man, I knew like a depth was going to kill us or I knew turnovers was going to – you know, the thing I look at Texas A&M, and I think this team has gotten to the point where offensively, man, the, if you time you look up, man, they're shooting 50%. They shot 48% Tuesday night and they're getting to that point. If they can stay away from turnovers, they had a chance – to blow this thing out of the water, and they had like three, four turnovers in a row when they were like up oh, 10 or 11. And then there was another situation, I think they were up 10. You remember when they were on a fast break, and Max started to shoot a layup, tries to shoot the little two-footer from the block, I and think, this was, Yeah, I think Ashton and
0: overpassed Calipari on that play. just
2: ripped him over that, because he his whole thing, and I want Maxie to finish hard. So, I, I can see that as a weakness, where they just don't take care of the ball, they can score, but... They get in these stretches where they don't take care of the ball. Hagen's has several turnovers. And then I could see that lack of depth getting into foul trouble. Richards getting into foul trouble because they're much better with him on the floor. And those are things that have a big effect. So if they do get beat, unless they just get beat by a much better team who just, you know, manhandles them, is clearly better. I, I can see something like that. Your turnovers or foul troubles w- would be the thing that could end their season.
1: I think Kentucky showed the other day something that they had struggled with all season that they'll have to do in the tournament, where they should have out-rebounded Texas A&M the other day, and that's exactly what they did. But there's so many times earlier in the season, hell, even a couple weeks ago, where there was teams that were smaller than them, not as athletic as them or as big as them, that were outworking them on the boards. And I think that that's that's another major key for Kentucky's postseason
2: run. Yeah, and I'm gonna tell you with their shot rim protectors, EJ Montgomery and Richards are always trying to block shots, and when you do that, you give up rebounds. Yep. Because if you crash the boards and you got your big up in the air, you can't get any position. So it's going to be up to the guard. And I'm telling you what, we're going to see it Saturday because there's nobody in the country that puts pressure on you getting the ball to the rim like Auburn. They just we saw that 44 foul shots at Auburn. They drop their head, go five out, and just go to the rim because they're not that good outside shooting team. Can the guards keep them in front of them without fouling? And are they able to keep Richards on the floor with that? And, you know, Auburn's the number one offensive rebounding team in the country. You know, if, if they get to the rim, Richards and EJ have to go for blocks, then Auburn cleans it up on the backboard. So I think we're going to see Saturday an indication of, of, of how they're going to do in those things that you brought up, Travis.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of good stuff there. Um, we'll let me let me ask you guys one question before we kind of get off um, get off this the, the this current team and and kind of move forward. Um, Emmanuel, quickly, I need to know from you guys. Uh, we we brought this up a couple weeks ago, and um, you know, obviously, a lot has happened with with quickly since then. I want to know two things: a is Emmanuel quickly the SEC Player of the Year? Um, and then B, how confident are you guys right now that that we will not see Emmanuel quickly in, in Kentucky blue next season? Travis, let's we'll start with you.
1: Um, I think that if you look at S- just SEC numbers, which is what the award should be based on, that he should be the SEC Player of the Year in a couple and a couple weeks ago it was Anthony Edwards and Nick Richards. But now I think Emmanuel quickly over the last week or so has really separated himself from the rest of the pack. And unless he just falls flat on his face the next couple of games, I, I foresee him winning it. And in terms of him coming back, that's there's a lot of gray area in that because you don't know what that family wants. Because As Kyle Tucker pointed out at The Athletic, that family is really religious. They're b- really big on academics. But at the same time, his like he may never be on a bigger hot streak than he is right now, and me personally i think he need, i think he should come back and show that he can be he'll never be a primary primary ball handler in the nBA, but I think he should come back and show that he can run some point and be a secondary ball handler and I think that him coming back for one more year will not kill his draft stock because i never i don't think he'll ever be a lottery pick by any means I don't think he'll ever be a first rounder matter of fact, but i think early second round. Well, he's late second round right now. I think he could bump up to early second round if he shows that he can be a secondary ball handler at the next level.
0: Uh, David, you know,
2: it, you go into the you know to the combine, and um, you know they're in, they're up to all these measurements, and I understand it. And we've talked about this before that they're probably looking at quickly as too small to play to two and not a your point guard and all that. You know, I, I I'll talk like this week, you know, uh, I, have you guys been, uh, keeping up with Joe Burrow's hand size?
0: Oh yeah. He's, he has many hands. Yeah.
2: And I've not, it looks like uh, a whopper guy. <laughs> I've not heard this much about hand size since Rubio and Trump was going at it. In <laughs> South Carolina, 2016. If you'll remember that one. And, and, uh, you know, can the guy play or not? And I mean, would yeah. you love to have him quickly on your team? I mean, my goodness. Well, I uh, mean, are we going to start,
1: so, are we going to start like knocking people like Larry Bird for their 40 time? <laughs> um,
2: oh, yeah. So my question is, um, you know, with, with him, I feel like I could say, I think he's more of a shooter. I think he can score. He's a good defender, he's really quick. So I guess my question is this, and, and I, I've not read uh, uh, Kyle's article um on that but you know my parents are really religious and uh i I can't say a whole lot about my academic performance in school so i don't know if you know how that all is going to fit but um i i don't know if he can play himself up if this is what they're looking for in the nba he can't make himself taller he can't make himself, Yeah, I, 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 you know, longer. If he was six he'd be a lottery pick. So, I don't see how he can play himself up, even if he came back and had a great year, because I don't know that he can play much better than he's playing now. Yeah. So, I don't know what they would want him to show if he came back that he's not showing right now, but simply because of, of you know, physical capabilities. Uh, you know, having said that, Maybe there's a possibility he could do that. Maybe that's something they're not even considering because, you know, like you say right now, he's not first rounder. You're looking at Hagan's right there on the bubble between first and second. Richards is the last one I saw. uh, uh, Jonathan uh, Gavani, he's played his way up to number 50. uh, And then Tyrese is there right in the middle of the lottery talk. So, um you know, smart money would say come back. I hope he does. I hope he needs EJ Montgomery both come back. Well, uh, I, I'm a little bit more confident right now probably of EJ coming back them quickly because I could see quickly end up going to the summer camp, getting a contract, or, or, or you know, maybe getting the NBDL, uh, you know, that deal, and then he comes in and, and gets to play also on NBA teams. So, you know, I, I could see, even though he, he wouldn't get drafted, I could see things working out for him.
1: We'll see. Jack and I are in this uh we're in this group chat with a. Th- there's this one guy in there with that's a scout of some sort. I forget if he, what kind of scout he is, but he's talking about Emmanuel Quickly. He's talking about his defense and he said Emmanuel Quickly six three was a six eight wingspan. He's a bit tall with and eh, stre- he said, quote, man strength uh man balance and strength, sorry. And uh, said that feels like he could fold and that, I remember him at McDonald's All American game. He was he was skinny, but he's put on muscle. He has improved his mechanics, and I think he is a player. But I need to see him running the offense more.
0: Yeah, and
1: that, I think that is him to a T.
0: That mean that literally, that right there is exactly kind of our argument for uh, for Emmanuel quickly to return. I mean, literally that how much more can he show as a star as a as kind of the the go-to scorer from like from that angle um i don't know how much there is left to show because he's you know he's proven that he can be an off-ball scorer that that he's a you know knockdown shooter all that stuff um but we really like you said haven't we haven't seen much of him as a primary ball handler and that's kind of you know, as david said he's going to be too short to to be a, a true the same shooting guys. guard in the nba
1: One of the same, or it was him or another guy said that they think that he could be Seth Curry at the next level. Which, hey,
2: what do you think about that, that, David? I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. But that that, I I, I want to pat you on the back because that's a great point. If he could get some guarantees that, hey, you're going to get to come back and play the point, then yeah, yeah, absolutely. I see see that. I can see that working. I I know this, and you've talked to him too, and guys that you recruit or five-star guys that are going to play the point or, you know, have that – you talk to their dads, they say, look, we want to go somewhere where we're on the ball because we want to show that we can play on the ball since it's such a ball screen league in the NBA. We want to prove that we can do that. So, you know, that could be something, yeah, that that could – if they tell him that, yeah, I mean, I I don't see – You know, that would be a great, great uh, opportunity for him.
1: Well, see, I see no reason why Kentucky couldn't tell him that because essentially him and Devin Askew are the same player. Neither one is a pure point guard. They're both combo guards, in my opinion. Both both struggle at dribble separation right now. Um, Both are quality off-ball shooters. And I think that UK's team next year doesn't really have a true point. And you could tell quickly, hey, you're our guy. If you come back, you could be an All-American or – At least be in consideration, depending on how you run the point. But I think that that could take his game to the next level, and I think he would have a heck of an opportunity, considering that he would have electric weapons in Clark and Boston at the two and three spot around him to distribute to.
0: Yeah, it's I mean, there there are there's a strong argument to to be made on both sides, and and on his. I, I just. I, I keep going to the fact that I mean his star level right now is probably about as high as it could possibly be at Kentucky. I just don't know what what room for improvement he has well, see, outside of being the pure lead point guard. I just don't. I just. I just don't see, know. But see, at the
1: same time, I never thought he would be this good. To be honest with you, I never thought at any point in his basketball career he would be as good as he is right now. So I mean, who knows what ceiling he could have if he comes back?
0: Is he going to be a twenty? 20- Eight point per game score no, and have and not. have forty forty point outputs like uh, you know he had thirty against Texas. No, A&M. but You're I think if 40. you look at his
1: splits, I think he, I think he could be a much better two point scorer next year. I think he, and I think if he could keep those three point numbers, I'll I don't i do not expect him to replicate what he did this year. But I think if he get those two point numbers up, he'll still be the third leading scorer on next year's team. Possibly I mean, he could be, but I don't see him outscoring Boston and Clark. Yeah, but. If he can show, like, hey, I can lead a team full of – be like a – be a secondary offensive weapon alongside two studs on offense and just show that he could do that at the next level, but be like a second string type of guy or be Mm -hmm. a two guard playing a one. Kind of like not comparing the two, but how Jamal Murray is in – Yeah. How he is in Denver. He's not a point guard, but he's a secondary ball handler. He runs point. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I got you. Well – you go back to Curry,
1: and I had a very good
2: friend of mine that was on the Davidson staff.
1: No, we're uh, talking about Seth Curry, the one that played at Duke, not comparing him to Steph. Oh, well, no, no, let, I have never compared him to this, best shooter to ever play. Let, well, let me
2: <laughs> say this. I, I'm, I'll say I'm sorry. I, but let me say this, too, in the same realm. I would never have thought – when I heard Curry, because this went into my mind, I would have never thought in a million years that Steph Curry – could play point guard in the NBA.
0: Yeah, that's not I a mean, bad point. He
2: did not look like that quick of a guy in college, but he was so good off the screens. And they ran staggers for him. They didn't run this wide open five out. I mean, he's he's catching balls off staggers and just firing about him looking at the rim. It was just wonderful to watch, but there was nothing about it. You look at him, you say, well, but he's not going to be an NBA point guard. He's not quick enough. He don't pass the ball. He's just – He's shooting it every time he touches it. And, you know, those are questions there. So, uh, I think there's some, some, you know, some things there that are similar to what they would be asking about quickly. Well, what
1: do you think about the uh, the Cliff Paul version of uh, Steph Curry and <laughs> his brother Seth Curry? That, <laughs> do you think Seth Curry could be an attainable goal for quickly at the next level?
2: I'm going to tell you what. We can laugh about Seth Curry all we want to. I would I'd love to have his money. Oh no,
1: no, no doubt. Yeah, he
0: has made a, a an entire career off of of being you know a, a dominant role player in the NBA. I mean, that's that's all you could ask. One for. of the
1: best corner three guys in yeah. the NBA. I mean, if you crap, I would have if I could have a time machine, I would go back in time and just practice corner threes and a little bit of lateral quickness. And hey, I
2: saw Corey Brewer because I coached Corey. Uh, you know, he, he – and he that's what he did. He was not a good offensive player in the NBA. He was a good hustle player, good defender. He stood in the corner on offense where they put him because he couldn't handle it that well. He couldn't shoot him that well. If nobody else was open, they'd throw it to him every I, now and then and let him do corner three. He made like 69 million – 68, 69 million dollars in NBA contract. I feel like Corey Brewer got in
1: the NBA – or got out of the NBA at the perfect time because – Michael Kidd-Gilchrist right now is, like, there's no spot for him in the NBA. And I feel like they're essentially the same player on offense. They, they're they both hustle guys, rebounding guys, slashers that struggle to shoot. And I don't know if Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is going to make it much longer in the NBA just because of his offensive woes.
0: Are we going to just slide over the fact that David just humbly bragged that he, just co- that he coached Corey Brewer? How did you not get a cut <laughs> of those millions?
1: I mean – you taught him everything he knows, even not how to no, dunk. I no, I, I bet you taught anything. him how to dunk.
2: I happened. I just happened to be a <laughs> hanger owner that was around, but he did. He he did. Any time around, he give. He he left his ticket. So that's uh, oh, you know,
1: no so you, no complaint. So you were one of those uh, quote handlers, huh?
2: No. <laughs> no, no, yo, David is officially a handler. I wasn't that close, but we, like I said, he, he, we coached him in AAU a little bit, but he, 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 he was a great. Lee Humphreys was on the same team, so. Both of them end up going to Florida and winning one national championships.
0: All right. Well, there you go. Um, all right. Well, I think we have uh, we have jumped into that far enough. We've kind of, you know, touched on our thoughts on on whether or not Kentucky can can make it, you know, if this is a legitimate Final Four team. And I think we've kind of all uh, addressed the point that, I mean, there are some worries that we have, uh, you know, each of us respectively. Or, um, but, uh um, I think this this is a team that could put, that, that could potentially make a Final Four run and and that's uh, uh, it's exciting. It should should definitely excite the Big Blue Nation as we reach this home stretch of the year. Um, and with that, let's jump into our um, you know we have a little a little surprise for you guys. We are going to go into an interview with 2021 five star guard Kennedy Chandler uh, we are going to ask him about his recruitment what um, what he thought about his visit to Lexington and, and kind of meeting John wall and and kind of all of that good stuff. Uh, we are we are very excited about it we appreciate him coming on and uh, with that we will go straight into our interview with the Kentucky target. All right, we are happy to be joined on the phone by 2021 five-star guard Kennedy Chandler. Kennedy, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. Well, we appreciate you coming on with us and, and talking a little bit about your recent trip to Lexington and uh, some some other good stuff about who you are as a player, what you're like off the basketball court, and uh, um, a little bit more about your upcoming decision here in the next next uh, w- whenever you know we'll we'll get into all that and see see when you're interested in, in uh, making a decision. So uh, uh, right off the bat, let's jump right in. Tell us a little bit about your trip to Lexington. Uh, what what was you know what were some of the kind of key takeaways from your trip? What did you learn from your experience at, at Kentucky?
3: Uh, I had a great time when I went down there. Uh, probably my it's my second time me making a trip down there. Last year I went, like Kentucky I played in Tennessee, so me going again. I just had a really fun time down there, and it was a great game. What's been the
1: Kentucky coach's main recruiting pitches to you and your family so far?
3: That I feel like I'm perfect, I'm a good fit in that style of program, and then that, that uh, I feel like I, the way that I play, that it's the type of style they play.
0: Now, I know um, John Wall was there, and, and I, I, a lot of people were kind of wondering about, you know, former number one overall, uh, you know, point guard back in, in when he was a recruit in 2009 versus future number one point guard in the class, you know, if, if, if Kentucky kind of pushed for John Wall there. what You know, what was that experience like to have a guy like John there, and uh, did you talk to him at all, and what were those conversations like?
3: Yeah, uh, I had met with him as soon as I got to the building, to the, to the building on, on before the game started, he just told me about the program, how that Calipari that you fight for your position no guaranteed position, and that you go hard at practice and you go get better every day at practice, and it's a school that I should be at.
0: Now, what is it like to kind of have uh, you know a school like like Kentucky that that? Has players around the program like that? We, we, you know, in John Wall, and I know um, past. You know, I, I in fact we had Cameron Fletcher on on the podcast just yesterday, and he said that when he was taking his official visit to to Lexington, that they had Tyler Hero. You know. The Tyler Hero was there and, and talked to him about the you know what's it like to be at Kentucky and all that. So you know what is it kind of like to to kind of see that from afar, that La Familia you know mentality that Kentucky has, and and uh, knowing that you could potentially be a part of that one day.
3: Uh, it just shows me that it's a great school to be at. The way the stuff that John Wall told me, he just it just seems like a great fit, a good school for somebody like me to be at, and I'm glad he, he had a good, we had a good talk.
1: Your dad mentioned uh, to me that you've been in talks with both Paulo Bancaro and, to some extent, Jaden Hardy about possibly teaming up in college. What attracts you to play with those couple of guys in particular?
3: Oh man, you know if we if that ever happened, you know I feel like it would be a great team uh, to play with. Me, Jaden, Paulo, they, uh, I play with uh, I play with both of them at USA. So you know I feel like we had a good connection. And if that happens, then that would be, that would be phenomenal
0: so we actually had Paolo on the show um several months back i can't remember i think it was late it was early fall and and he came on and and this was before the rumors of of you and him teaming up in college you know he he kind of broke that news on this show i asked him if there's anybody in in the class of 2021 that he was interested in playing in and he called you out by name and that was the kind of the first time that we've actually even heard that you guys were interested in, in playing together what's it like to have a guy like Paolo, um you know a top five kid in the class you you know, one of the, arguably the best big man in the nation that kind of points you out in particular and says, this is a guy that, that I want to, to, you know, play with at the next level?
3: Uh, you know, it's it just, just a great thing for me, for him to want to play with me because, you know, I'm a great team player, a great person to play with. And for me to play with one of the best big men in the nation is just uh, a blessing, you know. So for us, if we ever team up, that will be, I feel like would we'll be hard to stop.
0: As far as Paulo, Paulo is concerned, what do, what do you like about his game in particular that, uh, that you know, on the flip side he wants to, to play with you? What, what about him him in particular that makes you want to, to team up with him?
3: The way he just plays hard. You know, we play – like I said, we play together at USA. He just plays hard, competitive guy, strong, great, uh, great pick-and-roll guy, great post-up guy. You know, he's just a great player.
1: Whenever you go to pick a school – what are you specifically looking for yourself whenever you go to choose a particular college?
3: Uh, I'm going to look for the, uh, the best fit, the best style play, a uh, great relationship with the coaches, and just a, a place that feels like home, a place that feels like I have a family.
0: Now I know you just named your top ten. Um, I, I don't know about a month ago or so, and there's been some talks about you narrowing your list down in the next, you know, several weeks or, or whatever. I think um, maybe down to like six or seven schools. What schools are recruiting you the hardest, and uh, and how how many schools do you plan on trimming that list to? Are there any any in particular that you know for certain are going to be on that that next cut?
3: Uh, I really. I gotta discuss that with my family. I really haven't like decided what top to narrow down again. So I gotta talk to my family about that, and just, if I even do think about doing that, I gotta talk to them about it first.
0: What what schools would you say are prioritizing you the most out of out of your top ten, and not necessarily that are guaranteed to make the list or anything, but but um, that have kind of separated you as as their kind of primary point guard target for for 2021.
3: Um, basically, like, all, uh, all of them are recruiting me really hard. Um, really, I like, like, Pacific. Like, I pretty much all of my top – all the schools that are my top ten are uh, calling me, recruiting uh, recruit me hard. It's been
1: said before that either you said or somebody else said that Duke was your dream school. Now, is that something that still holds true? Like, do they have a lot more cadence whenever it comes to you uh, choosing a school?
3: Uh, I mean, Duke was always like a dream school when I was young, but at the end of the day, it's always going to be – I'm always going to pick the place who so it's the best fit for me.
1: Who do you try to model your game after? Um, and what do you think are the strengths and weaknesses of your game?
3: I try to model my game after, you know, players like Damon Leonard, Kyrie Irving, Chris Paul. You know, I watch them. I watch uh, all three of them ever since I've been little, and I try to – Monologue game after them, and that's that's who I look up
0: to. Now I watched you at, at Peach Jam this last year, and and you playing for Mocan, and and it, it the the one like biggest takeaway that I had with you, and specifically you know back that that team Why Not matchup, and and some of those some of those late late matchups where there's a lot of a lot of publicity is that like you are a gamer, like you kind of. You know, took took the game the, the, from a competitive standpoint. You kind of took that the the level of the game to to the next level. You know, really really impress a lot of guys like that. What what does it kind of mean to you as a point guard to to kind of have that reputation as kind of the the the, the gamer, the 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 like the, the floor general, that that kind of that level of point guard?
3: Uh, for me, just to be able to do that is just you know it's just a part of my game for me to be a floor general. Look! Up, look! Look! Uh, for my teammates, find my teammates. Up, and you get everybody involved.
0: Now, outside of basketball and recruiting and all that, you know what? What? What is? Uh, you know what is Kennedy Chandler like off the basketball floor? What are? What are? You know how would you describe your own personality and kind of? Um, you know what's a day in the life for for a guy like Kennedy Chandler?
3: Uh, you know I'm just a fun person to be around. Great friend, great teammate, and you know if I'm not. It's either I'm working at a gym or I'm just hanging with my friends and having a good time with them. So what are, what are some
1: hobbies that you might enjoy off of the basketball court that people might not realize about you?
3: Uh, hobbies? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I either play the video game or I just spend time with my family. What what video oh, games oh, do you play? I watch middle school games. What video games do you play? Uh, Call of Duty and Madden.
1: Oh, I suck at call dude. I'm raw at man. So, I feel <laughs> it. Um I,
0: I think I saw a, a report that just came out. Th- it might have been your dad went on a, a radio show or something that said that you're kind of looking to get your decision over with after or I guess before your your senior year. Is that, you know, can you know, can you confirm that is, is that kind of when you're planning on on making a final decision and would and would that be what like late late August, early September or something like that?
3: Uh, somewhere around there, you know, it just, I really don't have a specific date, but yeah, I'll probably want to make my decision before my senior year starts.
0: And we'll, we'll kind of end it in it here with whatever school you end up choosing, you know, what would that school be getting from, from a guy like you, what, as a, as a point guard and as a teammate and, and kind of, um, what, what why sh- why should fans be excited for the, the possibility of, of of kennedy chandler being a you know whatever team they're they're a fan of
3: because i'm just a competitive player play hard play hard to win and i always wanted my dream goal to ever win a a championship that's one thing i want to do go to mark madden with me a championship and that's that's gonna be my goal to college
0: all right man well we appreciate you jumping on with us we look forward to talking you talking to you in the future man thank you thanks Kennedy. And that was our interview with Kennedy Chandler, 2021 five-star point guard. A lot of good stuff there, I'm talking about about how – Excited he was about his trip to Lexington, all the things he learned, and, and his his conversations with John Wall, and and uh, you know what he th- thinks about the the Duke talk that he has. A lot of good stuff there. We really appreciate him jumping on uh, real quickly, guys. Uh, Travis will start with you. What are your kind of initial thoughts after after that interview? Are you feeling any better about Kentucky's chances with Kennedy Ch- Kennedy Chandler? And uh, uh, as of right now, where do you think he he'll land?
1: I always think UK has at least a putcher's chance, and with any. Dude, that they're recruiting. That they've how many times have they visited? Seven times?
0: So, I believe I read that between visits to uh, to see him, him being on campus, and and uh, mate and assistance going as well. I believe it's seven since September. I believe four visits from Calipari alone, or three, some, something like that. Regardless, the number's huge,
1: but I think that. I never count Cal Perry out for a dude that he wants that bad, where the, he's recruited – he's uh, visited him seven times since September in a matter of months. And I think that – honestly, I don't – honestly don't think he ends up at Kentucky. I think that Devin Askew is a surefire multi-year guy, and that that might steer him away. But, I mean, UK's up there. He's, his dad told me that he's going to get – that UK's going to get an official visit. And so that means that – they're basically going to be in his top five. But I think as of right now, I would put them behind North Carolina, Tennessee, and Duke. Not in any order with those three, but I think the U.K. has made up a lot of ground, but they still got a lot of a lot more ground to make up, which they which can be attainable.
0: David?
2: I, I, you know, I did the interview of his dad um, Monday or, or, or uh, Sunday night, rather. I'm sorry. And uh, he actually called me from the hotel room in Tallahassee. He went to Florida State. Uh, watched him play Monday night uh, against Louisville. He was, um, you know, he, he, he's he been really good in, in talking to him. And what I took from it is that if Kentucky, I, I do think they're in a league group. I don't know that I can name a school that I think would be the leader. But like Travis said, I believe there's a couple. I believe it'll be a small group. I believe Kentucky's in that group. I don't think he knows who the leader is, but I think he knows who the group schools schools, you know, who that would be and uh the, the thing i've said all along just you talked about how much attention Calipari's showing him Calipari's a smart guy and i just cannot imagine him showing a player this much attention and him not uh and him not thinking he's got a legitimate shot
0: yeah i'm um uh, yeah I, david I, I like your optimism i like the, you know it's a really good point that that calipari is is a very smart guy. He knows who he's going after, and he's not going to put in a bunch of time with a guy that that he has no shot with. And uh, I think that's you know I, I'm kind of in your boat. I'm feeling okay about Kentucky's chances. I, I think the the uh, the note on him wanting to play with both Paolo and Jaden Hardy, two guys that I think are um, are Jaden definitely a Kentucky you know strong Kentucky lean, and then Paolo being a you know If if I were to make a, a guess right now, I'd say it was it was Kentucky for for that side of stuff to factor in. I think that would outweigh his love for Duke or or you know the closeness of Tennessee or Memphis or you know I I think Kentucky definitely wins in that aspect. But I am not willing to say Kentucky is the leader for Kennedy right now. I think there's a better chance of Kennedy going elsewhere and Kentucky still getting Paolo and um. And Jaden Jaden Hardy and the package deal breaking up, I guess you could say. Um, that's that's kind of my my thoughts on that. And um, um, you know, it was still just an in- insightful interview. We appreciate him jumping on, and, and definitely uh, definitely learned a lot with that. Um, real quickly, uh, Travis, you have a a quick note on another big name player that that Kentucky could uh, be in really really good position with if they want to be. Let us know a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so sorry if I butcher this name, but 2022 four-man, but his his guardian says he could play one through four. I interviewed his guardian the other day. There's a question answer article over on uh, Cats Illustrated on Rivals. He said with 24-7, this is why I hit them up, because in an interview with 24-7, he said that UK was his dream school and that he would commit if offered by Kentucky. And so I... Got really in-depth with, uh, with his guardian, and he really does love Kentucky. They both love Kentucky. And then after uh, Justin Rowland had posted that on Twitter, a prominent recruiting editing service sent me the, the link to that tweet uh, with the question and answer and said, uh, quote, he's dying for an offer from, uh, from me just talking to him, I can tell. And, quote, he wants me to put an edit out there of him in a Kentucky jersey as a what-if sort of thing. But 2022, this kid, Sada is what he goes by. Sada said that, like his guardian said that he could possibly go pro if that is a legitimate option. They're not going to just do it just to say they did. It, but if he's a first rounder, they could go. But he's right. versatile. He's a very good passer. Play three, four, maybe some one because he's a really good ball handler. At six, eight, six, nine. So that's gonna be a player to watch out for in the future.
0: Yeah, lots of lots of good stuff there. Um with that, we'll, we'll we'll touch real real quickly on um, Cliff Omarui came out recently and said that he's going to put out a um, a, a, a an official commitment date here soon. Uh, Adam Zagoria said that there's a chance that Kentucky that Kentucky is going to get an official visit. He is visit. He just wrapped up his official visit to uh, Arizona State. Uh, he just scheduled another one to to Rutgers. Um, real quickly, Travis. Kentucky Does Kentucky land Cliff O'Marui?
1: No, I have a future cast in for
2: Arizona State.
0: Uh, David, does Kentucky land Cliff? Well,
2: I was going to say I saw Travis uh, put that in, and so, I mean, that seals it.
0: <laughs> the done deal. He is. A kiss of death. He's a guarantee. Yeah, I like Arizona State's chances right now, especially with all the momentum they got after their visit, and the fact that the dude literally said as soon as the visit was over that he was gonna you know come out with his commitment date here soon.
1: See, that's that's what really sold it for me. I've been hearing he was leaning Arizona State for a while, but that that
2: writing's on the wall.
0: Yeah, you don't you uh, don't you don't say
2: too, Kentucky may have. I had a guy text me and he, he said. Um he feels like Kentucky's slow handing him a little bit and just to kinda of see what happens and he, he's kinda of leaning. Do you think uh, that that just means EJ Montgomery's coming back? So
0: Ooh, um, interesting. Yeah,
2: you know, and, and of course I, I let the conspiracy theories begin.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, with that we are going to wrap it up and call it a show. Travis, where can fans find your work?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Trav underscore Graph. You can find me on Instagram at Travis underscore graph. You can find my work alongside David's at Cats Illustrated on the Rivals Network. Come join the House of Blue community; it's a bunch of fun banter over there. You you'd absolutely love it. And then you can find my other podcast on any podcast network. It's called the Cat Scan Podcast with a K, and you can find it on Twitter at Cat Podcast also with a K. And we just gave away free UK Auburn tickets for this weekend. So we're constantly doing giveaways. Just gave we. This second set of tickets we've been given away, and we've also given away a fifty dollars Visa gift card. So,
0: wow, makes me think that we need to start doing giveaways. In fact, I will come up with something pretty, pretty unique, and uh, we'll uh, we'll give something away here pretty soon to thank you guys for being such loyal, uh, loyal listeners. We appreciate each and every one of you. David, where can fans find your work?
2: I have nothing to give away. I don't know where Travis is getting all this. Stuff <laughs> I did. I, I thought about it all day. I went, man, the hell is he getting this Auburn tickets? You kidding? You see what those things are going for? I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Um, Coach David Sisk at Twitter, I'm almost at 4,000. Put me over the top. I'm like at 3,995 or something. Let's, like let's do a giveaway
1: for David's 4,000
2: follower. <laughs> yeah, let's do. Let's do. Uh, so, we, we've got that and also at Cats Illustrated with Travis and I'm going to have a lot of game tweets for Auburn. I'm, in fact, as we do this, I'm sitting here watching the first Auburn replay. I'm going to have two stories up here, uh, uh, one on Thursday night, but it'll still be out there, and then one coming up Friday night on what Auburn did defensively and offensively against Kentucky. So getting ready for this big game Saturday.
0: Well, very nice. We appreciate both of you coming on, uh, and we look forward to to next episode breaking down this big Auburn game. Kentucky potentially taking home the SEC regular season title, and uh, as we uh, creep closer toward the NCAA tournament, the SEC tournament, and the NCAA tournament. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR or via email uh, at jpilgrim at j.pilgrim@kentuckysportsradio.com. And with that, we will be back next week for another jam-packed Source of Say podcast. We will see you guys then.